Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. And welcome to another episode of The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. I'm Matt Clark. Uh, I'm certainly glad that you are joining us uh, for this episode. Got a lot of a lot of stuff to cover and uh, some, some I, I think, what will wind up being extremely beneficial information for a, a lot of our listeners. I want to welcome in uh, uh, Charles Sizemore, who uh, is back from the throes of South America uh, and uh, has landed safely amid quarantine and is glad to have you back uh, back in the States, man. It's good to see you. It is good to be back. And I'm not sure if this is within the rules of my quarantine. Um, it's actually a little bit ambiguous what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. But I did hit the Whataburger drive through window pretty hard. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask if you if you really touched on that because you mentioned in your in your piece earlier this week that uh, you were going to you're going to hit that drive through solid. So did you I mean, you at least had to have doubled up on orders, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll be back. <laughs> uh, also joining us is uh, Adam O'Dell, Chief Investment Strategist for Money and Markets. We're going to get to him in a bit because uh, we've got a lot to cover um, with Adam today. A very, very special uh, episode for, for that. Uh, and, and we're actually going to spend a couple episodes talking about uh, some things Adam has going on that I think are going to be extremely beneficial, like I said, for, uh, for investors. But first off, Charles, I want to bring you in and, and, and talk about uh, a, a piece we had Money and Markets this week. And you know, the markets uh, being, being uh, you know, they're up, which is great. Um, how long it lasts is, is another question just simply because we're just, we're, we're getting this rash of just really bad economic data, whether it's unemployment, whether it's, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, supply managers index uh, points, whether it's production. And it's not just here in the U.S., it's, it's everywhere. So it's really pointing to a, a significant recession um, both here in the U.S. and globally. So how long a market rally lasts is, I don't know, I think it's tenuous at best to, to consider right now. But I think one thing that investors um, should, should really pay attention to, and that is ways to make money when the markets are, are either in the process of trying to recover or trying to find a bottom to recover. And so what, what I did this week is I, I want to do a little research and find out, okay, how, what, what's the best advice to give an investor um, if they're wanting to try to find profits and gains uh, when a market's recovering at some point in time? So what it is, I, I, I kind of came up with um, four points. And I want to run those points by you. And then you tell me either how wrong I am or, or whether it's great or, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I'm okay with, with any of it. But, uh, you know, the first thing is, is, is I, I used to have a, a very good working relationship with, with Ted. Oh, I still have a good working relationship with him, but I used to work very closely with Ted Bauman, who's a noted economist and, and uh, one of, uh, one of Banyan Hill's finest, very much like, like Adam. And one of the things I remember consistently hearing from Ted was that, you know, you want to find companies that build a moat. And basically, this moat is, is a moat around their profits. They provide something that no other company or very few companies can do without. And so I thought in, in, with, the first, uh, with the first point that I wanted to try to, you know, first factor I want to point out was to look at specifically like the tech, the tech sector and, and to find those companies that, you know, are providing things to, to, to other larger companies that you may hear headlines about. Um, and, and provides them something that allows them to accelerate something like 5G or accelerate something like the internet. And these are companies that you're not, you, you very rarely ever hear of, if ever. 
And, and, and so I, I think that that is something that investors, that if you're looking to make gains, um, you know, you want to try to find and, and seek out those companies. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll start with point one and then we'll rapidly get into the other three points. But give me your take on that. Is that, you know, is that, is that good advice? Is that bad? Is it absolute garbage? Does it work? Well, that's Warren Buffett's advice. You know, Warren Buffett's advice has always been to find companies with moats. And, you know, Buffett being the descriptive storyteller he is, he even goes so far as to say a moat that's particularly deep, particularly wide, and has alligators patrolling it. So, you know, the idea is, you know, you want companies that have um, competitive positions that other companies really just can't touch. Effectively, natural monopolies. Now, um, monopoly is sort of a, you know, that's generally seen as being a bad thing to the regulators. But, but a lot of these tech companies are de facto monopolies. Um, look at, you know, Microsoft is a fine example. It has an effective monopoly on operating systems. Um, it has an effective duopoly along with uh, Amazon on uh, cloud uh, services and storage. Now there's a bunch of other bit players, what have you, but the, the nature of tech is that it tends to be a winner take all uh, dynamic. It, it, it's, it's winner take all economics. And so it tends to form these natural monopolies that then become very, very difficult to break. How is anybody going to get into the search engine racket now with Google here? Exactly. You know, it, it's not happening. So, uh, yeah, I mean, tech is a fantastic place to look for just natural monopolies, those unassailable moats that, uh, that Warren Buffett talks about. I think that's I think that's an excellent starting point. The next the next four, and I'll, I'll run through them you know, rather, rather quickly if I can. Um, you know, the other another point is is you know, it's very easy for an investor to kind of hand off their decision-making to a portfolio manager or something like that. Um, and, and I'm not saying that's bad. I, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. What I am saying, though, is that whenever you are looking at potential recommendations from uh, from someone or whatever, I think you, you still have to do your homework. And, and fortunately, like with, with Adam, for Unless example... Yeah. Well, yeah. And what I was gonna say is, I mean, if, if you're, if you're Adam, he's already doing the homework for you and he's laying out all these, uh, all these reasons and rationales as to why this is good or why this is not good. But I think if you are, you know, looking to maybe play it a little bit on your own, you've got to do your homework on the companies that you want to, to, to invest in. And one thing I think you want to look at, and this is something that tends to get overlooked because we, we focus a lot on technical data on 60 month betas, 20 day moving averages, P and E ratios, things like that. I mean, it's very convoluted math, but really look at the company's financials itself. What's their balance sheet like? What, what, what are they, what are they providing? Are they, you know, are they, Showing you that they are a strong company that is 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 reinvesting its profits smartly, maybe not just kicking out a dividend just for the sake of a dividend. Um, are are they are they providing low? Do they have low debt? Do they have plenty of assets that that you know w that have alternative uses um, as opposed to just being very singularly focused. Um, that that's one. Second is dividends, and and I'll be first to be one of the first to tell you that I'm very bullish when it comes to dividends. I, I think that looking for dividend plays are 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 a good sound way for long lasting income. Uh, but on that note, you've got to be very careful about when you look at a company that pays dividends. There are many companies out there that will pay very large or very substantial dividends one off. The thing you want to look at is you want to look at is, are their dividends consistent? 
are they consistently going up? Are they consistently level? Or is this just a, do they have just a, a, a one quarter where they decide to kick out a $2 per share revenue, but you look at the other data and it shows they're normally around the 45 cent per share area. Um, you just have to be very cautious about that because one thing that companies will do is in order to continue to entice uh, shareholders to hold on to their shares or to entice investors to jump into their shares, um, they will spend, uh, you know, an exorbitant amount of profit to up their dividend to make it look good. And that's not, and that's not a good sign to me, to me anyway. I mean, sure. I, others may disagree, but to me, that's not, that, that's not good. Um, I, I think that's a very poor indicator, and I think it, it screams of desperation if you're a company that's doing that. The fourth factor that I, that I point out, and I'll, I'll touch on this, is, is something that is always, I think, overlooked, and that is dividend on yield. And I think a lot of people don't quite understand what dividend on yield is. And basically what dividend on yield is, and I'm reading my notes, by the way, because so I can remember this and not just spout off and, and say something wrong. Um, it's, it's a percentage of your original purchase price. It's the dividends you get as a percentage of your original purchase price. So, for example, if you buy company A for $10 a share, they pay a $0.50 cent dividend per share. All right, so you're looking at a 5% yield, and that's great. That, that's, that's phenomenal. But that company is strong. Let's just say it's on a trajectory of, of Amazon back in the 90s or, or Microsoft in, in, the, in the late 90s, whatever. And they jump to, say, $100 per share, but they also increase their dividend as well, um, which is great. But you think about, it, think about it in terms of what your original price is, not what the price is currently. So you paid $10 a share. They've now upped their dividend to, to $5 per share. Now you're looking at a 50% uh, dividend uh, compared to what your purchase price is. Those are the types of things, those, that's the type of math that I think you really have to look at when you're looking at companies that will earn you income on a consistent basis. So I, I've laid out those points. Now you can feel free to poke holes in them. I'd ask Adam, but I know he probably will, and I'm just afraid of what he'll say. <laughs> so um, I, go, you know, tell, tell me what is good or what is, what is bad about those four points. Well, the first point you said, just do your homework. I mean, good night. More people will often do more research on the restaurant they're going to eat at that night than they do on their investments. They'll read pages and pages of Yelp reviews, but then they'll just buy a stock based on some hot tip or because you know they saw you know a blip on it on CNBC. That's that's ridiculous. I mean, you you clearly need to do your homework. You know, look to the numbers. Now you mentioned you know dividends and, and different angles, uh, different different angles there. What, what do you look for in a, in a dividend stock? You know, for one, um, you, you mentioned consistency, and then you also mentioned um, you know kind of one-off dividends. There, there's two points there. I'll actually start with the second one first. There's actually nothing wrong with that occasional one-off special dividend. I actually think that's that's a pretty uh, useful tool for a lot of a lot of companies. If they have sort of uh, banner years where they did particularly well, but the future may be less certain, there's nothing wrong with doing a special dividend where you know they reward their patient shareholders with a little bit of an extra gift. There, uh, you just if, as an investor, you just have to be smart and, and make that distinction between okay, this is a special dividend based on an extraordinary year. This is not. Permanent and, and companies will, will break that out. Uh, I, there's a couple of business development companies I've traded in over the years, and, and it's funny. The good business development companies that don't get themselves into trouble are the ones that keep their regular dividend. They keep it relatively low and conservative, and then when they have really good years, they top it up with a special dividend just to reward their shareholders. But they don't overpromise because if companies pay out too much. 
if they if they effectively promise too high of a dividend, that can be hard to meet, and then they have to cut it later. And and that's you don't want to own a stock where they where they cut the dividend because what happens is investors dump the stock, and in addition to having less income, you also are sitting on capital losses at that point. Um, going backwards now, you know what what do you you know when doing your homework on a dividend stock, you know what what is it you look for? For one, consistency. You, know, you do want to see they have a long history of paying that dividend. You don't want them to, uh, if they're a recent dividend payer, that can be fine. But if this is something that you're looking to uh, effectively bet your retirement on, consistency you know, definitely is key. You want them to have a long history of steady, gradual dividend increases. And you want to make sure that they're doing it with, with, with actual cash flows. What you want to avoid is uh, you want you companies that borrow heavily to support their dividend. That rarely works out in the long term. Yeah, they need to be paying the dividend out of current cash flows. Uh, it's usually pretty easy to calculate the dividend payout ratio. Is you can get it on Yahoo Finance for crying out loud. It's it, it's published everywhere. Um, go back a few quarters. You know, see that they're you know within acceptable bounds on that. Which you know, to me, if they're paying out less than 60% or so, then that's a very, very safe dividend. Um, you know, finally, you mentioned uh, you know, that yield on cost. I really like that because if you're a long-term investor, you have to be thinking years down the road here. You know, if you buy a bond, maybe you're getting 2% today and it's, it's, it's safe, it's steady, you know you're gonna get your 2%. But 10 years from now, you're still gonna be getting your 2%. It, it's not gonna change. That coupon rate does not change. Whereas if you get a nice dividend growth stock, you may you may have a, a lower yield today. You know, maybe it's two percent, maybe it's one percent. You know, who knows what that current yield is? But if they're raising that dividend every year by five percent, ten percent, you know, whatever that number is, then your income rises over time, over over the course of an investing lifetime. You, rather than get you know that that two percent a year, you could be getting ten percent or twenty percent of your original investment if it's right. a, a real dividend growth powerhouse. And uh, you need that to keep up with inflation. So I, I love that. Now, you do have to put out that caveat that, you know, particularly today, a lot of dividends that seem safe may not be as safe as you thought they were in this post-coronavirus world, of course. But, you know, it's why you diversify. It's why you do your homework. It's, it's you know, why you pick uh, dividend payers that have sort of survive the test of time. Exactly. And, and just as a, as a tease, if you will, um, there will be a story out in money markets that I actually followed up on this with that, that has, um, three high, high, high dividend yield, uh, ETFs to look at. So, um, something, something worth, uh, worth a look. I'm not going to tell you what they are now. I, I can, but I, I just, I'm just not going to, because speaking of, Spoil the surprise. They're not going to look at. The, they're not going to read the article later. Exactly. So I, I at least want to look, but I, but I will say that that these are um, you know, these are provide these these three ETFs have provided very solid dividends and are are tested. One of which, just as an extra surprise, actually pays a monthly dividend that is consistent. So just something to to think about. You can check out MoneyMarkets.com um, for that. Speaking of ETFs and, and speaking of big gains. Now I want to bring in uh, Money Markets uh, Chief Investment Strategist, Adam O'Dell. Um, and Adam, we touched on this last week, but today I want to really just knock it out of the park. And, and that is one of your, uh, one of your services uh, is, is uh, kind of going through a, a, a big promotional phase, if you will. And uh, um, I, I, without giving away too many secrets, because uh, one thing I want 
listeners to do that if you if you if you are interested and you should be in, in learning much much more about this I want you to go to this website and I'll try to put this up in the video and I'll, but I'll definitely put it in the show notes as well but it's moneyandmarkets.com slash 10x webinar very easy moneymarkets.com slash 10x webinar. And what this is going to do is provide you more information on what we're going to be talking about now. And that is uh, uh, the 10x profit service that, uh, that Adam O'Dell um, is offering. And I'm, I'm telling you what, I have, I have looked up and down at this. I, I, I did some work and I really, Adam, I really want to try to find a way to poke some holes in it. I really did. I looked hard and I want to say, okay, I want to find something that I can kind of, you know, poke, poke the bear with a stick at. And honestly, I couldn't find anything. I, I found nothing. And I'm not saying that just as, as, as a way to, 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 to bolster it up. I'm saying that legitimately. As a former investigative reporter, I like to pride myself on really digging for things and finding things that are wrong because that's what I do. I couldn't. I, I found zero wrong with this. I found this to be probably one of the best in terms of investment strategies I've seen in a long time. And I've seen a lot. Um, and and it's, it boils down to a couple things. One, and we're going to talk about these. The, well, probably the biggest thing for me is the simplicity. Um, you know, this is an extremely simple system to follow. It is not complicated. Anyone can do this. This is something that whether you are a novice, whether you are a hobbyist, whether you are an intermediate, or whether you are a seasoned investor, this is simple to follow. There is this is a no brainer. So first, I, I want to bring you in and 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 let's really hammer this uh, quite a bit here today. And, and I want to talk about uh, first off the history uh, of 10x profits and kind of where all this came from. So you know, tell me. You know how does this how does this thing work? What what is what is the the intricacies of, of all this, Adam? Yeah, so I mean, thanks for that introduction. Obviously, you being uh, from the investigative reporter side of that, that's a huge compliment that you haven't found any major issues with it. Um, I, I come from the same kind of skeptical mindset as well. I do a ton of testing, a ton of uh, you know historical analysis and, and forward analysis, and just to kind of orient everybody that's listening on, on what 10x profits is, it's it's basically a simple system that trades just two ETFs, one long or one short. Um, and when you use the system as I've designed it, you can compound a, an initial investment significantly by positioning yourself for both major booms and major busts in the market. Uh, all you have to do is follow the system. All you have to do is follow my crystal clear buy and sell signals. Uh, it's a proven system, both in, in a historical analysis and also live trading for a number of years. And I'm confident that it will, will help us navigate the ups and downs of the market, no matter what come next, comes next. So um, that's kind of like the, the you know, the, the, in a nutshell what the system is. But how it came about, um, you know, first of all, the reason that we do historical analysis, you, you mentioned doing your homework. And, and that's an interesting point. Um, I think that's where a lot of investors get tripped up. I was at an investment conference in, uh, in this past, past January uh, here in Florida, and Howard Linzon, the, the founder of uh, StockTwits, was speaking. And he, he was basically saying that everybody says we have an information overload problem, meaning that we have so much information coming away that that's the problem. And he said, no, we don't have an information overload problem. We have a filtering problem. And what, it, what he was saying is basically that most people don't know how to take that overload of information and filter it down to what's most important, to the salient points, to the factors that only you know, the biggest factors that drive the most uh, investment performance or, or whatnot. So, and that, and that really struck a chord with me because that's really what I try to do with my backtesting. I mean, anytime, anytime you do historical analysis or whether you want to call it backtesting or whatnot, um, what you're trying to answer is, do we know if this idea works? 
And if it does work, how well do we think it will work in the future? Like what range of expectations do we have on, on forward returns? What range of expectations do we have on volatility or, or potential drawdowns, things like that? Those are all important questions to know ahead of time before you put real money into the market. Is the strategy worth anything? And if it is, how do I size the position so that I don't go belly up if we have a bad quarter or a bad month? Um, so that's really where historical analysis comes into play. Um, so I, you know, the 10x profits uh, system, it, it came about organically in, in 2015. I was doing research on the U.S. sectors and the various movements of the U.S. sectors. So it kind of came about from some uh, observations I made organically. Um, I did historical analysis on the idea um, using data from 2006 to 2016 at the time. Uh, and I did that because I wanted to make sure it included the, the top, the 07 top, the 08 bear market, and then the 09 bottom and, uh, and see how it fared through that. I also did walk forward analysis throughout 2016. So I was basically like watching the sample trades in, in a simulated account to see how it, it traded on live data, uh, but without real money. And then we actually went live with a strategy with real uh, readers, real subscribers, real people that put money into the markets uh, in December of 2016. So we now have about three and a half years of live uh, actual signals to actual readers under our belts. And uh, again, what, what you want to see is anytime you do historical analysis, you it's not too hard to come up with a strategy that looks decent or looks good uh, in the rearview mirror with the sake of hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight and uh, with uh, back, back testing. But what you want to see is that once you start putting that system into walk forward testing on, on new data that your system hasn't seen before, and once you actually start live trading it, what you want to see is new equity highs. And so I did this research in 2015. I continued to see new equity highs for the strategy in 2016. We launched it live in 2016, and we've continued to see new equity highs since then through 2020 now. Um, so what we can generally expect is that the strategy does work because it continues to make new equity highs. Um, generally, in any given calendar month, we're winning about 70% of the time, 65 to 70% of the time. We're, we're making a net gain on the calendar month basis. That net gain averages out to about four to four and a half percent per month, uh, including all the winners and losers. And what that uh, ultimately equates to is a, a compound annual growth rate of 50%. So we're basically able to, if you stick with this system over time, uh, you're able to compound money at a rate of 50% per year. Now that's not on one trade, it's not on the best trade, it's the whole system overall. So if you think about the whole 14 year historical analysis period from 2006 that I originally started testing through today and live signals included, we're talking about a 14 year period that could have turned $100,000 into over like $28 million for a 28,000% return. Uh, but that's obviously over a long period of time, even over shorter periods of time, when you're working with a, a compound annual growth rate of 50%, um, you can really basically 10X your money in, in around five years. Um, so that's what the system is designed to do is basically play the major booms and the major busts in a very simple form uh, with just two ETFs and really target a very high annual compound gr uh, growth rate uh, so that we can kind of just compound that money over time. And like I said, I looked at this and I, I tried to find ways to poke holes in it because my first thought was, okay, this is too simple. This is way too easy. There's there's something about it that you know I, I don't I maybe I'm missing something. But then like I said, I really dug into it. I looked at the numbers. I looked at some of the back testing, and I I, I couldn't find it. I mean, and and I think fifty percent is massive. That's 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 huge. And and especially well, let, me, when, let me throw in something there. Yeah, Warren Buffett himself only did about twenty percent a year since 1964. Exactly. So I mean, that's the, those are fantastic numbers. Yeah. 
And, and, and the other thing I noticed is that, you know, when I looked at, at the 10x profits philosophy and, and I looked at kind of, you know, what, what the idea is, one of the things that, that, that underpins it is, is dispersion. So I guess, Adam, I'll ask you, you know, tell, tell us you know, about dispersion and how that factors into the overall 10x profit strategy. No, that's a great question. I mean, I love telling this story because it really shows um, this, this research came about organically. I didn't just, uh, you know, I didn't have a boss that said, go run a bunch of data mining exercises and come up with some algorithm that looks good. What I was doing is I was doing research on the, the major U.S. sectors, healthcare, technology, utilities, you know, and so, so on and so forth for my other uh, trading services uh, where we trade U.S. sectors. And what I was noticing is that the market basically goes through two fa- phases. One phase is when all of the U.S. sectors are more or less moving along together. There might be one that's doing better than the other, of course, but the the difference between them is not all that large. So maybe the technology sector is up 10 percent and the healthcare sector is up 5 percent. You know, that's not a big difference. Right. And then there was another phase that the market would go through when there was a large deviation or or large dispersion between the top and the bottom performing sectors. So, for instance, um, right now, we have healthcare sector on top and the energy sector is really sucking wind. So right now there's a large deviation. So I thought that was interesting. And that made me think back to a, um, something called the Dow theory. Now the Dow theory was uh, basically born in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And it, and it, it was basically Charles Dow's way of forecasting when there was going to be trouble in the economy or the stock market ahead. And what his observation was is that at the time, it was industrial stocks and railroad stocks. Those were like the main components of the economy and the markets. And, and as, as logic would hold, I mean, those should move along together. If, if, if industrial companies are doing well, then the railroad companies should also be doing well, right? So he found out that when both of those stock market averages were making new highs and climbing together, basically, without much dispersion between the two, then everything was good. You wanted to be long in the market. But when you started to see a divergence between those two indices, when one started to go down while the other was still going up, that was basically an imbalance in the market, um, in the internal components of the market, that was a warning sign. It was like a canary in the coal mine that said, trouble is ahead, something's about to change, and it's not such a good environment for stocks ahead. So in my mind, I had this light bulb moment. I was like, this is the exact same thing I'm seeing in the US sectors. Sometimes there's a large disagreement or a large disconnection between the best and the, and the worst performing US sectors. And so I had that observation, my hypothesis was that, that after those periods of time when there was a large dispersion between the top and bottom performing sectors, that that was a bad time to be in the market, either because stock prices were weak or because volatility was too high or some combination of the two. So that's what that was my observation. That was my theory and my hypothesis. And then I went to go test it. So when I tested that, that's in fact what I was able to prove is that following a period of high divergences, when there's a large spread between the best and the worst sectors, Following those periods um, is a period of time when stock market returns are below average and when volatility is above average. So that's like the perfect storm when you don't want to be long passive equity. Um, you want to be in something defensive. And then the, then the opposite was also true. When, when the sectors were more or less moving together with not much dis- difference between them, that's a time you want to be long the market. You want to let the market do its thing. You want to ride out the, the lower levels of volatility. Uh, because that environment is basically higher stock returns than average and lower volatility than average. So I tested the idea. I came up with the idea organically. It made a lot of sense with the Dow theory. I tested it out. It's an idea that makes sense uh, logically and intuitively. Um, It made sense way back in the 1800s and 1900s, and I still think it makes sense today, which is why I think it's a robust idea that isn't going to necessarily break uh, during the next market crisis. It's going to continue to work. 
um, even in this current crisis. So, you know, we had technology and healthcare and utility stocks all kind of jockeying for that top position if you look at all the sectors on a relative basis. Meanwhile, you had the energy sector giving a completely different message. The energy sector, long before any of this started, was, was signaling you know, trouble ahead. We have a large disconnect between energy and everything else, and that was a warning signal that trouble is ahead. Um, so it really doesn't matter which sector is on top or bottom. What matters is that the, the market will go through periods of time where there's a large disconnect, and that is a warning sign in and of itself. Very good. Now, again, if if your if your palate is is somewhat wet wetened by by what we've talked about so far, I encourage you to go to moneyandmarkets.com/slash10xwebinar. Uh, that's going to get you a seat. Uh, I, I think there's very few seats, but this, this could get you one of the seats uh, to to hear much much more about about this. We're 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 kind of getting the topsoil of uh, of, of the 10x uh, profits uh, service, but uh, it, this is this is something that is I think is definitely worth your time to get into. So again, moneymarkets.com/10xwebinar. Adam, just a few more things before I, I, I let you go. But you know, I talked about simplicity, and, and and you've touched on this as well, and that is that the 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 implementation of 10x really just focuses on two. ETFs, two exchange traded funds, which I'm, I, I love. I love ETFs. I, I, you know, I, I think well-performing ETFs are, are great investment vehicles to have. Uh, now, with just two, how does, how, how does that work? And I mean, how do they work with each other? How do you, how do you, where, where does that balance come in? Where, how does an investor look at that and go, okay, that, that, that could work? Sure. Well, I mean, the, the, philosophically, the idea of simple versus complex, uh, first of all, I'll acknowledge that financial markets are indeed extraordinarily complex. And that's why most investors believe that you also have to have a complex investment strategy to navigate complex financial markets. That would make sense, but it's actually the opposite. What I found is that the best strategies to deal with complex financial markets are indeed simple strategies. And the reason is um, there's a lot of short-term noise. Day-to-day, -day, what comes up in the news cycle or what happens with one particular earnings report, a lot of it ends up being noise. It goes back to that information overload versus filtering um, idea that, that Howard Linzon was getting at. Most of it is noise. What you have to figure out is how to use a simple strategy that cuts to the core of what really matters. And if done correctly, that's gonna be a more robust, more pervasive, more persistent strategy than anything that you could um, try to come up with that's more complex. Also on the implementation side, this is, I mean, I've worked with both institutional hedge fund clients and also retail self-directed clients. And you know, at the end of the day, if you don't follow the strategy, it's not gonna work. It doesn't matter how good the strategy is, how complex, how smart, how high frequency, it doesn't matter anything about the strategy. If you can't follow it as a self-directed retail investor sitting in your home office, hitting the buy and sell button, then the, the best strategy is not gonna help you. So it needs to be simple enough that you feel confident um, implementing the strategy and sticking with it through thick and thin. And, uh, and really that's why I made this strategy as simple as possible to follow. Um, we do trade just two ETFs. Now I have a report that shows different ways to trade my market timing system. At the core, um, my market timing system is telling you one of two things. It's telling you to be either long risk assets, like long the stock market, or it's telling you to be long risk off assets, like defensive assets, like volatility or treasury bonds or gold or, or the US dollar. Um, so there are a number of different ways you can implement that timing model. Uh, but at its core, the 10X profits service um, basically uses just two ETFs, one for risk on when everything is good. We have one supercharged high octane ET stock market ETF. 
that we buy uh, and that we, we ride basically large large rallies. And then other times when we get that signal that says trouble ahead, we have one ETF that we move into that is, protects us not only to not suffer losses on the downside, but to hopefully capitalize and make gains on the downside as well. Um, I found that this is simpler than trying to pick like the next Apple, you know, so you can spend a lot of time and we do have stock picking services. I'm not against it, but it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to find the next Apple. And if you get it wrong, you can be really, really wrong. I thought it was a lot easier to figure out how to time correctly the major booms and busts in the broader global market. And if we can do that effectively, which I've proven we can, uh, it's much easier and much more lucrative way to make to make money than to trying to find the next big um, you know, Apple. Um, these ETFs, they trade just like stocks. Uh, you can buy them in any broker's account. We even have readers that write in that, that you know, admit to trading them in their IRA account. Um, and when I say trade, I mean, we're in some of these trades for months at a time. It's not like we're day trading. Again, it's a simple system. Um, and, the, and these ETFs are super liquid. The average, um, average volume traded is 22 million shares per day on these two ETFs. So there's, I mean, again, I wanted to make it super approachable for the average retail investor. Um, this isn't some, you know, hedge fund only strategy. This is something that's accessible to anybody. Two ETFs to trade really easily, a lot of liquidity, and it's, it's super easy to follow. Now we're not going to tell you what those ETFs are. That that's that's way too much. Not going to give not going to give away the farm. But if you not today, not yeah, today, <laughs> not today. But if you do want to know more, again, it's uh, moneyandmarkets.com/slash-10x-webinar, and that's going to get your foot in the door to uh, to to what this service is. And and I'm telling you what, it's certainly worth your time. Uh, it's worth your time. It's it's worth uh, worth the energy to 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 listen more to Adam because what he explains is, I mean, it's, it, I don't want to say genius because I just feel like I'm making your head blow up just even bigger and, and I don't want to do that. So, um, but it is, it, it's a very sound, solid system that any investor can follow. Now, one last thing before, uh, b before we head here and, and, and just to, to, to preview ahead next week, we are going to talk much, much more about the 10 X profit service as well. So, uh, we're not just going to cut it off short. There is, there is more we're going to get to, but one last thing in the interest of time, you know, in in the ten x in the ten x profit service, you know, I noticed mention of of, of you know the eighty twenty rule. Now, you apply the eighty twenty rule just a little bit differently. It's 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 looked at in a little bit different light. So, tell me what your eighty twenty rule is and 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 how it factors into ten x. Yeah, sure. Um, so there's this quote that says something to the effect of, you know, war. Like, uh, you know, war is uh, is basically long periods of boredom punctuated by moments of sheer terror. And if you think about it, that's basically exactly what the stock market's like. You know, 80 percent, 90 percent of the time, stocks go higher in very boring fashion on not much news, climbing the wall of worry. And then, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 percent of the time, the minority of the time, um, you have wild swings in volatility, heightened uncertainty fear dominated trades, panic selling. So it, it's, it's, it's a very good um, analogy between the two. Um, as it relates to 10X profits, about 80, per, there's two ways to look at it. About 80% of the time um, following the system is fairly boring. There's not much for us to do. All you have to do, if we're positioned in, remember we're only ever positioned in one of two uh, positions, one of two ETFs. So if we're in one ETF and, this, and the model continues to say, hold this ETF, that's all we do is we hold that ETF uh, if we are in sync with the market's trend, either um, bullish or bearish, there's no reason to overtrade. You just stick with the trend. You you sit on your hands. You wait patiently. You earn your money over time, and uh, that's what happens about 80% of the time. The other 20% of the time ends up being busy, not boring. Uh, that's when the market swings up and down, and that's when you do, you do have to make decisive moves. You have to adapt to the market's new trend. 
by making switch trades, either switching from risk off to risk on or vice versa. So that happens about 20% uh, of the time. The other way to look at the 80-20 rule uh, as it relates to 10x profits is that about 80% of our individual trades are going to give us an average or a modest result, You know, maybe up 5 or 10%, down 5 or 10%. They're not going to be anything to write home about. The, the purpose of this strategy is not to find a number of individual trades that return 100 or 500%. It's to compound a small initial capital base uh, extraordinarily number of times. And so the way we do that is that 80% of the time we're average, we're basically getting average or modest trades. The other 20% of the time is really going to deliver 80% of our total profits. That's when we latch onto a trade that goes a really long time on the long side, or when we get into a trade on the short side that enjoys a very short, uh, short but sudden spike, basically a spike in volatility. So about 80% of our total profits come from just 20% of the trades. And that, that kind of holds with the 80-20 rule. Um, there's really in the, the past you know, 18 months or so has been a great example of this um, on both sides of that um, philosophy or idea. Basically in January of 2019, uh, my strategy said to go long the market. So we bought our supercharged long stock market ETF and we held that trade for 13 months all the way through February of this year, 2020. And that was boring, right? 13 so months? Single, <laughs> yeah, that 13 months, every single week I was writing to my subscribers saying, this is what I see in the market, but the model says we're in the right spot. This is what I see going on, but the model says to hold. This is what you know could be happening ahead, but the model says stick with the, the position. So we held that long for position for 13 months. It was super boring, but we had a lot of you know other discussions on a weekly basis. But the point is, in in um, in late February, February 20th, um, our position had it had accrued a 100% profit. Uh, and this isn't an ETF. This is not an options trade. This is an ETF that we gained at 100% in from January 2019 through January uh, through February 2020. And we basically took half of those profits out of the market on, on February 20th. So we took half of those profits and then we waited for the system to kind of generate the next trade. So that, that's an example of where, you know, we were in the right position and all we had to do was wait patiently. So that's boring. But then soon after that became, you know, came the, the kind of the moment of terror for the market. So in March, we actually made four trades. So we, we made trades on both sides of the market, two longs and two shorts. They were all profitable. Um, one was for 11%, 21%, 41%, 62%. So we were able to take those gains that we had accrued over the 13-month holding period on our boring trade and then compound them several times over on some short-term decisive trades that we made during uh, the market swings that you know perpetuated through, through March and April. So that's really a great example of the 80-20 rule and how sometimes 10x profits, we're just in the right trade and we're holding on to it. Other times we've got to make de decisive moves to adapt with the market. And I'll tell you what, again, if you want to to hear much, much more, I mean, we're going to talk more about it next week, um, but uh, moneyandmarkets.com slash 10x webinar uh, is where you want to sign up and, and uh, there, there'll be uh, much more information there. Uh, Adam will provide uh, more in-depth uh, explanation as to what it is. Although, again, it's it's simple. There's there's nothing. It's not rocket surgery, if you will. Um, it's 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 a very, 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 very simple method that has proven to to provide investors with solid gains. And I think that's uh, that's exactly what you should be looking for as an investor. So uh, next week, Adam, uh, you'll give us our take on uh, the direction the market's heading. Uh, you know, we'll also talk more about 10X uh, and and uh, and also much, much more. Uh, so that'll be next Friday, just to uh, kind of promote as well on Wednesday. Uh, I will be sitting down with Matt Battialy, who is uh, with Banyan Hill Publishing as well. 
geologist and uh, knows his stuff when it comes to gold and oil. So I'll just give you a, a hint that that's probably what we're going to be talking about is gold and oil. Um, and uh, that'll be that'll that episode will drop on a Wednesday. So guys, I appreciate the time and uh, and Adam, uh, super excited for 10x profits. I think it's going to be a huge thing. And and again, it's moneymarkets.com slash 10x webinar. That is your entry point to get in and get started. Uh, and uh, you start there. And I tell you what, I, I you're not going to regret it, I don't think. I mean, like I said, I went through it, and I tried to poke holes in it. I tried to find anything I could possibly find wrong with it, just so I could surprise Adam, just so I could, if nothing else, and to see the look on his face if I surprised him, and nothing. I, 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 I got nothing, which is uh, either a testament to the service uh, or, or just and maybe I'm just not as good as I thought. But, uh, no, I, I, really, the, the service is great, um, and it all the math checks out. It's simple. It's easy to use. Um, it takes – very little effort. So like I said, for any investor, it's, it's something that you definitely want to take a hard look at. And I think like, uh, like Matt said, uh, or like Adam said, rather, I, I, you know, if you're going to get into a service, get into a system, be committed to it, you know, cause it doesn't work if you just only do it halfway or a quarter of the way or, or whatever, you've got to be willing to commit to it and be patient. Um, uh, which I think is, is something that any, uh, investor that has made any amount of money over any given time will tell you is is the tried and tested way to do so. And that is you have to be patient. You have to stick with your system uh, and and don't just knee-jerk, uh, don't have knee-jerk reactions to market fluctuations. And, and, and fortunately enough, Adam's service does not do that. And he does the thinking for you. Uh, he does the work for you. Basically, it's as simple as you, uh, you know, reading what he puts out and then you push a button to make a trade if it's necessary. Otherwise, it's sit and wait. And, and watch your watch your uh, watch your brokerage account just gain in, in money <laughs> and who doesn't like that so um, I, I, all, all the way around guys thank you uh, thank you very much I appreciate it we're gonna do it again next week talk about much much more uh, again one more time moneyandmarkets.com slash 10x webinar that is uh, that is where you want to be um, uh, bull, the bull and the bear we are on Apple podcast we are on Google podcast we are on stitcher uh, by all means uh, have a listen on Apple podcast give us a rating give us a review uh, we have a YouTube channel as well just do the bull and the bear podcast as a search in YouTube check out our videos uh, we're gonna be starting to put up much much more as soon as I get the go-ahead from the big boss which I, I don't know when that's gonna happen he's he's on vacation or doing something on what he's doing, but actually he's sitting right across the table from me, so I, I can I can poke fun at him. But uh, for Charles Sizemore, Charles, I appreciate it. Welcome back to the U.S. and uh, look forward to talking much much more with you uh, and uh, and Adam, you as well. Thank you for uh, for uh, for joining us this week. We'll have uh, much much more. Everyone else, have a great weekend and enjoy. And we will be back on again next week. Thanks so much, guys. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.